I want to remind you about a story that took place in World War II during the Battle of the Bulge. Many of you know this story, but it, it always fascinates me. And I'm going to read a piece of it and share a piece of it, and then we're going to look at some Scripture. And there's, there's a lot of notes in the bulletin. Don't let that scare you. Uh, those are some quick points we want to make. Last night I had two points. Today I have like 17, it looks like. But it was December, and two months had passed since Hubert had brought his wife and son, Fritz, to a small cottage in the Adenines Forest. This was because of their need for safety. The family family home and 88-year-old bakery had been destroyed in a bombing raid. Fritz, who is the little boy in the family, tells this story living in Germany. He said, we were isolated. Every three or four days, my father would ride out from town on his bicycle to bring us food. But when the snow came, he had to stop. His mother was so concerned that their food was in short supply because the war was moving closer and closer to their cottage. By late December, the cottage was no longer out of harm's way. German troops surprised and overwhelmed the Allies on December 16th, turning the Ardennes forest into a killing field. Christmas Eve came, and Elizabeth the mom and Fritz the son blocked out the distant sound of gunfire and sat down to a supper of oatmeal and potatoes. And Fritz says he remembers at a moment hearing voices outside, voices not speaking in German. His mother blew out the candle on the table and they waited in fearful silence. But there was a knock at the door, then there was another. And so the mom went and opened the door to the cottage and there were two men standing outside. And they, They spoke in this strange English language and they pointed to a third man who was sitting in the snow and he had a bullet wound in his upper leg. They knew they were Americans. They saw that they were cold and weary. The little boy says, I was so frightened, I wondered what in the world my mother was going to do, and she hesitated for a moment, but then she motioned to the soldiers and turned to him and said, get six more potatoes from the shed. So Elizabeth and one of the American soldiers were able to have a conversation in French, and from that they learned news about the German offensive, and the soldier and his comrades had become separated from their battalion. They had wandered for three days in the forest. They were hiding from the Germans. They were hungry, exhausted, wounded, but they were grateful for this stranger's kindness. Well, a short time later that evening, four more tired soldiers came to the cottage. However, these were Germans. Fritz says he was paralyzed with fear. He said, while I stood and stared in disbelief, my mother took the situation into her hands. I had always looked up to my mom, and she was, I was proud to be her son. But in the moments that followed, she became my hero. Elizabeth spoke to the German soldiers, wished them a merry Christmas in German, and then she invited them to dinner. But before allowing them in, Elizabeth informed them and the other guests that they should consider themselves as friends for the evening. She reminded them that this was Christmas Eve, and she told them sternly, there will be no shooting around here. These soldiers were boys, and they listened respectfully to her and came inside. So the German soldiers stored their weapons in the shed, Elizabeth went inside to collect the weapons from the Americans and locked those up also. 
Little boy Fritz says, it was very tense. Two of the German soldiers were about 16 years old. Another was a medical student who spoke some English. And although there was little food to offer, Elizabeth knew that everyone's starving. She sent Fritz outside to fetch a rooster that they had captured a few days earlier. When I returned, Fritz says, the German medical student was looking after the wounded American, assuring him that he would live and that the cold had prevented infection. The tension started disappearing. One of the Germans offered a loaf of bread, and one of the Americans presented instant coffee. And by then, everyone was hungry and ready to eat, and Mother beckoned everyone to the table. They all sat at the table, and she said, Grace, come here, Jesus, she prayed, and be our guest. There were tears in her eyes, Fritz said, and as I looked around the table, I saw the battle-weary soldiers were, were filled with their own emotions. You could tell their thoughts were miles away. He says, now they weren't soldiers. They were just boys around a table. Some were from America and some were from Germany, but all of them were afraid, and all of them were far from home. They ate to their fill, and soon they fell asleep in their heavy coats. They had a peaceful night, and the next morning they exchanged Christmas greetings, and everyone helped make a stretcher for the wounded American. There's a picture you can find online that is supposedly that stretcher and various soldiers carrying the wounded soldier up on the stretcher. The German soldiers then advised the Americans how to find their units. The mother gave the men back their weapons, and she said, I'm going to pray for your safety. He says at that moment she became mother to them all. She asked them to be careful, and she told them, I hope someday you will return home safely to where you belong. May God bless you and watch over you. The soldiers shook hands and marched off in opposite directions, and it was the last time Francis or his mother would ever see any of them. But throughout her life, the mother, Elizabeth Vinken, would often say, God was at our Able. God was there. It's amazing the difference that God makes. He brings hope to hopeless situations. He brings peace to unpeaceful situations. He demands something from us, and that is we, that we lay our hearts down sometime and we put our disagreements aside and share what he wants to share with all of that, and that is love. And hope is a big deal. And for those of you that are gathered here with me on Christmas morning, I, I think you already know that, or you wouldn't be here. You know that there's a hope that comes from knowing the Lord. I, I share this story about these rats I'm going to share with you again today. You may have heard it from me. I don't remember, and it's a gross story, but it makes a good point, and I'm not afraid of gross things. But there were these researchers conducting experiments on rats, and their whole hypothesis was they wanted to test and see the effect that hope has on someone or something undergoing hardship. So they had two sets of laboratory rats, and they were each placed in separate tubs of water. It's a good thing. I'm, I'm glad I'm not a rat. But the researchers left one set of rats in the water, and they found they swam for a while, but within an hour they had all drowned. 
However, the other rats, they periodically lifted out of the water and would come back and get them, put them back in the tub, and then take them out. And they did that for 24 hours, and for 24 hours, those rats lived. So what can we learn from those rats? They say, just giving them a rest even gave rats hope. If I'll just swim a few more laps, the scary dude will pick me up and give me a break. And those scientists concluded, if hope holds such power for unthinking rodents, how much greater should its effect be on our lives? Hope is a powerful message, and it's part of the message of Scripture. Romans 15 and 13 tells us something very, very wonderful. It tells us, as I spin back to it, I'm sorry. My, my, my day's been weird with my... There it is. Romans 15 and 13. He says, Paul speaking, he said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. He's teaching us something wonderful here, that hope is God's desire for all of us. And that needs to be clear in our heart. In fact, God calls us and desires for us to abound in hope, to literally overflow with hope. Hope is a sense of expectation. It's a belief that rest is going to come. Hope is a critical piece of our faith, and God calls us to have plenty of it in our lives. And the Christmas story is about a lot of wonderful things, but it is especially about hope. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, the scripture says, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. He gave her hope, gave him hope. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This Christmas story reminds me of hope today, and I want to share that hope with you. And I want to share with you a couple of thoughts. If you're taking notes, you want to do that, or if you just want to relax and take it in, that's up to you. But here's the first point. God uses regular people to do remarkable things. Maybe it's a German mom in a cold forest. No expectations that something wonderful is going to happen that day, just trying to survive. Or maybe it's a young carpenter named Joseph. Or maybe it's some shepherds on a hillside. Or maybe it's this precious little girl named Mary, who we really know very little about, but the indication is there that she's just a normal young lady. Or maybe it's some magi who are just studying the stars. God can take those situations regular people and do extraordinary things with them because here's the deal regular people become remarkable when they say yes to god it's not the fact that they have talent it's not the fact that they're so special it's not the fact that they just happen to be there it's that they said yes it's that they agreed with god and that's the big punchline for all of us at christmas time it's not what we do in life 
It's who we do it for that matters the most. We're all just people. But when we agree with God, when we say yes to God, then something different can take place in our lives. And God knows how to communicate to us what he wants. And and in this wonderful story, the angel visited with Mary and, and gave her a mission. Mary responded, Luke chapter 1, verse 38, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. She said, yes, I'm in. I don't understand this. She's the first woman, the only woman in the history of the world to experience this. But she said yes to it. Joseph also, God gave him a dream. Matthew one twenty four. the scripture says, When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary, his wife. God can use and will use anybody to carry out his great plans. The point is we got to say yes. So would you say yes with me? Are you ready? Yes. It's important. It's important. That's your part. That's what you have to offer the world. That's what you have to offer this church, your space, your church back in Colorado Springs. Your job is just to say yes. Yes to what God calls us to. Be someone God uses is a great message of Christmas, and, and, and that will bring us hope. Here's another message of Christmas. God uses bad situations to show us who he really is. The situation for this young couple was dire. It was difficult to be Mary and Joseph as they looked for a place to spend the night. Not only that, a place to give birth. And they ended up doing it outdoors or in a cave or in a cabin or in a lean-to like that. That's difficult. Or a cabin hidden away in a horrible cold winter in a war that killed millions The cabin, because this precious mom said yes, became a place of refuge and hope. The reason that the young family that was represented here last night was gathering in Bethlehem in the first place was due to a bad situation. Luke chapter 2 says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. Verse 3 says, and everyone went to register, and the purpose of that was to collect taxes. That's not fun. That's not a glorious reason to go home. And so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, that's the ancestral home of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and they were expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. So they're going there because of a bad situation. And while there, the Lord decides it's time for the baby to be born. Isn't that the way it goes? No plans, no reservations, no American Express card. Go to do this tax thing. It's going to be fun, hon. And she decides to give birth. But she did. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes. She placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So just because bad things are going on around you guys, in 2023, some bad things will happen. There'll be tough days. There'll be situations that are hard to understand. There'll be days when you got to pay taxes. There'll be days when you don't have reservations. But it doesn't mean that God isn't going to show up right in the middle of it. And that God isn't going to do something incredible with that moment. And what I would say to you today is, as a follower of Christ, be one of those people that when those moments start to happen, you recognize it. And you say, yes, this could be a moment that God decides to use me. It could be at the grocery store. 
could be in the classroom, could be in a situation you've never imagined before. And God speaks to you, and your job is to say yes. And when you do, the world changes. Because here's the deal. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is a person. This earth will not bring you peace. Period. We expect next week is going to be good, don't we? There was a great book written many years ago called The Power of Positive Thinking. You ever heard of it? It was extremely popular, even in churches. And I'm not preaching against it this morning, but I'm just saying this. There's more to peace than just thinking peacefully. It's not about what you think. It's about who you think about. It's about the Lord. It's about the Lord's impact on your life and what He has in store for you. I was praying about peace this week, even in my own heart, as we were planning for this big weekend. You know, as the, as the pastor, I feel the weight of the weekend going well. And uh, I'm so proud of everybody that was working. I had confidence in everybody that's doing their part in our wonderful church. But still, at the same time, I'm saying, God, show up. Because you're the only thing that really matters. The kids are beautiful. They're wonderful. I love them. They are precious. It meant so much to see them. But it's who they were doing it for that matters the most. And that's the memory we hope they'll have. Luke chapter 2 says there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. They were keeping watch on their flocks at night, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shined on them. They were terrified, and the angel said, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news, and it's going to cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He's the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, talked about that earlier, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with that angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, on earth peace on those to whom his favor rests. In the turmoil of the birth, the angels announced peace. In the mess that was being made in little Bethlehem, as all the people came and overran the town, and there's no place to sleep, it's hard to get a meal, this young couple is in crisis, the angels announce peace. You know that giving birth is a hairy kind of thing physically. It's exhausting to be a dad waiting for the mom to finally get around to delivering the child. And it's hard on the mom also. It's, it's like a near-death experience to be the dad with all the pair. <laughs> I can't go any farther with it. <laughs> Giving birth for the woman, I'm going to get it right, is like a near-death experience. It's pretty tough. It's so tough that it most of the time often takes medication to help you get through it. Mary didn't have any of that. Mary would not describe that moment as peaceful. Yet the angel said, peace has come. Here's the thing. God's timing may seem slow to you, but he is never late. God's timing may seem odd to you, but he's never wrong. They went back town, I believe, with no intention of giving birth. They're just going to do some business. And God decided it was time. Galatians 4 and 4 declares that. 
When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. When the time had fully come, God's plans, God's timing are the right ones, the perfect ones. And I know our human frame gets in the way. You can feel tired. You you cannot have the energy to muster up a good feeling. And I know that today, Christmas Day, last night, some people are struggling emotionally. Some people are missing loved ones. Some people are facing illness. I mean, just because it's Christmas doesn't mean the illness goes away. It's difficult. Or not being able to be with family and friends. Or just feeling enormous stress and That's a good reason to pause right now and look for hope, because there is hope. There's not hope in all that. There's hope in the Jesus that came. So if you're looking for the hope in all that, getting the right Christmas gifts, getting the exact thing that everybody wants, feeling the pressure, making sure that everything is perfect, working so hard to make sure everyone else is happy, pushing really hard to to just make sure that you shine, that you prove something to the world, that will not bring peace. But knowing Jesus will bring peace. And the oddity of that is the person that doesn't push hard or the one that does, both of them need the same thing. So I want to challenge you today as we pause. We're going to pray here in a moment. And, and I want to challenge you with a couple of things. They may be in the bulletin. I'm not sure, but they're at least this. Number one, as you spend this Christmas day, be honest before God. It's not your job to bring peace. Let him talk to you. Let him talk to you about your life for this new year. As you think about what's about to happen, know that he created you and he's going to get you through it. And I pray that somehow you'll find a moment, perhaps it's in this service, to be quiet before God today. You don't have to have words. This entire series is about having those moments before God when we can't say anything, when life is unspeakable. You don't have to have those, but let the Holy Spirit intercede for you and allow the Lord to talk and just learn to listen. As you read the Scripture, just read and listen. And I believe you'll come to a place of peace. I believe you'll sense that hope. And also, be worshipful before God today. Take a moment today, even with your family, and just remember why Christmas exists. We have a family in our church that's really struggling right now. They're not with us this morning. They were here last night. But for those of you that were here, you know the couple that he's in a wheelchair. And he started coughing last night. Remember that? Any of you that were here? And he has those moments of respiration in his illness, his MS. It just makes it so hard. And when that happens, his wife becomes fearful. She becomes afraid. And she, she came to me afterward, and she just was crying. And she was saying, I know the Lord has a plan. I know he does. And I just want to be faithful to the Lord's plan. And I want to make sure that I'm doing all I can. But I'm going to tell you, it's hard. And you know what I couldn't say to her? I could not say, no, it's not hard. You're thinking wrong. It's not hard. If you had more faith, we can be cruel. So I just looked at her and tears came up in my eyes and I said, I know that. I know that. And then she said some wonderful things. She says, but I believe in God's plans. I believe they're perfect. And I have peace. 
Wow. She was teaching me lessons. The peace was not coming from a present. The peace was coming from a person. Would you bow your heads with me this morning, this Christmas morning? Thank you so much, Lord Jesus. Thank you for coming. Thank you for this morning when we've shared our hearts together. Thank you for this story that happened in World War II. Lord, all those things are just reminders that you're always with us and that truly you are Emmanuel. Lord, I'm so glad that we have the privilege of knowing you. But maybe there's someone watching online today or maybe in this room that's not sure that they know you. They haven't come to that place in their life where they would say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Christmas is a great time to accept Jesus as your Savior. And If you haven't done that, I pray that this will be the moment you do. Or if maybe you're a believer who needs to be reminded that he's your Savior and perhaps you need to rededicate something to him, do it this Christmas day. Commend our hearts, Lord. Shape our lives. Shape our thinking. Teach us where true peace comes from. Teach us where our hope really lives. Teach us how to be people who are willing to say yes and change the world around us because of you, not because of how special we are, but we just accepted your invitation. Thank you for Christmas Day at Harmony. Thank you for Christmas Eve at Harmony. And thank you for all that's going on in the lives of these people. And Lord, I pray for the new year that it will be amazing and and overwhelmingly blessed. But I also pray, God, that we will be reminded that when the problems come, that you are the source of...